0: We're starting a series, a two-part series. Uh, this is going to be good, and this is a series I think is just so important. It's a series uh, dealing with marriage, and we talk a lot about marriage, and we talk a lot about child raising here at our church. Uh, I often sometimes wonder if we don't talk enough about it, uh, because I think it's such a very important topic. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The, uh, the, the attack on the family, uh, even in our wonderful state of Wisconsin, is, is just rampant, and within society to get rid of the family unit. Uh, if you've got your Bible, uh, you can look in your Bible. Otherwise, we're going to put the verses on the screen. I believe you have the verses in your program today. We'll try to move very quickly through this. Uh, let me just start off with this. John chapter 17, verse 17 says this. It says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Okay. Let's just start with this as kind of an overview. The word sanctify means to make holy. So make holy, make them holy through thy truth. So what are you talking about thy truth? Well, it says thy word is is truth. We're talking about the word of God. So the Bible says in John chapter 17 that this book is truth. Do you all see that from the verse right there? Thy word is truth. Amen. Okay, so the beginning part of that verse says sanctify them or make holy make holy believers through what? Through this book, okay? So by the teaching, by the reading, by the studying, by the the meditating on this book, we as Christians are commanded to what? To be more like Christ, to be holy. Should Christians be different than non-believers? Absolutely. Right? Well, I've got Christian liberty. Well, praise the Lord, you've got Christian liberty to what? To be holy, to be Christ-like, right? And John says, listen, the, the job here is for us to grow and to be more like Christ by the preaching of the Word. You say, well, pastor, that's only certain scriptures. Well, take a look now at this next passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture. Church, what's the first word of that verse? Oh, what does the word all mean? All means Oh, that's all that it means. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the entire Bible from cover to cover, including the cover, I believe, says Holy Bible is what? Is profitable. It's good for doctrine, for reproof, oh, for correction, oh, for instruction in righteousness. Yeah, okay. These are all good things that all the Bible is for. There's something in all the pages of scripture for us. So so It'd be easy, church, this morning and next week when you cover this series, it'd be real easy to say, well, this doesn't apply to me. What we're talking about applies to others. I'm exempt from this teaching. No, we're not. (laughs) And I'm including myself in the teaching, too. We're not, because all Scripture is good for all of us, and and it's something that's going to be worth our time, and and if you will get this, if you will hear what we're going to talk about these next two days, I believe, here's what I believe, I believe that that this study this week and next week really can relieve an awful lot of stress in your marriage and in your relationships and I think it can relieve an awful lot of frustration I really do why because we're going to look at some biblical principles in marriage that nowadays are are just being thrown away and and they're so here's what I'm going to talk about they're so countercultural and so counterintuitive That what we're talking about today does not feel natural, does not feel comfortable. The news isn't talking about it. Hollywood's not talking about it. Politics aren't talking about it. And it seems so opposite from what the world is telling us to do. And let me just say this. What we're talking about today is so opposite from what the world is telling us to do, okay? It is the Word of God, and we're going to be looking at it. And it's going to be very tempting, church. I'm going to say this. It's going to be very tempting. Now listen, listen. To take a snippet of what we're talking about today, okay? So so I'm gonna I'm gonna speak today for about thirty minutes or so, and you'll take one phrase out, and you're gonna judge the entire message by this one phrase. Now let me be very clear. Today is part A of our study. Next Sunday morning is part B. Okay? So today is part what? A. And next Sunday is part B. B. So if you don't come next Sunday, you are not getting the whole story. Either that, or we can stay here, and I'll just preach till 5 o'clock and get it all done today, which is fine. But your stomachs wouldn't go with me on that one. You're going to leave anyway. So, so you've got to get the whole thing. And the temptation is to take a snippet and say, oh, pastor, you said. Well, don't do that. Okay, that's not ethical. That's not right. Don't, don't take a snippet. I want you to get the whole counsel of, of the study of what we're looking at. I want you to get the whole thing of what you do. And our job today and next week is going to be just to listen with open hearts, to listen completely, uh, to not dismiss it and say, well, you know what, that just doesn't go along with what, I'm, you know, what they're teaching in public schools today or whatever. So this passage that we're in, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. You got your Bible. Uh, it's interesting because there's an awful lot of places in the Bible that give instruction to men and women. Some passages, it starts with the man first, and then the woman second. This passage happens to go the women first, and the men second. So today, we'll look at the first part of the passage, which is a, a, a strategies for the women. And then next week, next week, gentlemen, you are going to bring your, your steel-toed shoes and your work helmets, <laughs> and you're going to get ready for a whooping next Sunday, in the Word of God. <laughs> because I'll just be honest with you, what we're talking about today is is is, is one thing, but... There's a huge responsibility on the men in this passage, and it's, it's extremely heavy for the men. I'm just saying, the burden that is, is borne in this passage on the men is extremely heavy. So uh, we're going to look at this, and we're just going to just see what the Word of God has to say. And, and, uh, and like I said, the men always have the greater responsibility. So, men, before you beat your chest today and say I'm, you know, I'm the man, <laughs> yeah, wait till next week. Uh, <laughs> so, so this is going to be good, and we're going to look at just what this, this says. And the interesting, the study that we're going to look at before we before we dig into it. Let me just say this: <clears throat> the the situation in in this passage. Let me just say the situation in this passage is not an ideal situation. Okay. Now, in our minds, maybe there's an ideal situation. You know, the husband and wife married. They're both going to church. They're both serving the Lord. Everything's just great. You know what I mean? And they just, you know, they wear Jesus T-shirts and stuff like that. And it's wonderful. But but in the reality of the world, there's not always ideal situations. And in this story, or in this example, I should say, the woman uh, and the man, they're married. Uh, the woman appears to be saved. She's a believer. The man is not. I would have to guess from the story that the woman got saved after the marriage, from the way It's kind of written. Uh, Let me sidetrack on this, and I'll just say this to those of you that are not married. Uh, It is dead wrong, and it's foolish to marry outside the Christian faith, okay? Period. Do not, do not say, well, I'll marry him, and then I'll win him over to the Lord. You are a fool, okay? Evangelistic dating does not work. The proof of that whenever I talk to high school groups is if evangelistic dating works then why do you only date the cute girls, right? I mean, if you were really going to evangelize them, you'd be dating all of them, right? The pretty ones and the ugly ones, right? But it doesn't work, you know? It just, the kids are like, yeah, you're right. So so there's always the ideal marriage, and then there's kind of the realistic marriage, which is what we're going to kind of look at today. And, 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 and I think this passage not only can be looking at a saved person, a saved woman with an unsaved husband, but even kind of just the context of, A saved woman who's committed in a Christian marriage, but maybe there's a husband that's not committed. And and in this passage, what we're going to see here, God is a very special ministry for women, a very special ministry. I believe that God has given women the power of influence. I believe that God's given men responsibility and authority in areas, but he's given women a very, very important role of influence. And we're going to talk about that. It's going to be very practical. It's going to be kind of just very, just this is what it says. And I'm going to give you some strategies here from God's Word that if you jot this down, if you jot down some of these notes, I think this will be a help to you. So so today, again, though, just to clarify, today is good if you're not married because maybe it's God's will that, that maybe someday you will get married. It's good for you. If you're in a marriage, today is good for you because we're talking about marriage. If you're out of a marriage, maybe even you're widowed, you're divorced, or you're seniored or whatever, this is still good. Why? Because maybe you can use some of these principles to help someone else who's struggling. Okay, maybe someone that's sitting in the pew next to you may need some help, and maybe God's going to use this passage for you to help mentor that person. But again, these strategies that we're going to look at, this passage we're going to look at is, is so countercultural. That it's just sometimes you sit there and you say, wow, I can't believe this is in the Bible. But it is. Uh, and, and we're looking at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 is where we're going to start. I think I said the book of Ephesians. We're not in Ephesians. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3. And the writer of this is a guy named Peter. Peter is, is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. And it's part of the scripture. And he's talking about winning the husband over in a committed relationship. So 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1. Here we go. Ready? Follow along as I read it. It says this, likewise you wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word. Be won by the conversation of the wives. So, ladies, if you want to win your husband over, if you want to win your husband over, if you want to influence your husband, I'm going to give you four strategies here from this scripture that will that will that will work because they're God's word and help you be an influence, either for the sake of the gospel or an influence to help him get committed to serving Christ with all that he's got, okay? So this is very good. Ladies, I want you to write this down. Here we go. Number one, the first one that we see in this passage is a strategy to win your husband over. The first one is willing submission. Oh, wait, Pastor, wait. Did you just say the S word, submission? Yeah, (laughs) I did. Pastor, that's so counterintuitive. That's so countercultural. Wait a second, hold on. This is God-given inspired advice from the Word of God. It is based on the male psyche, okay? And you're going to see that here but submission is not slavery. Church, get that out of your brain, that submission is slavery. It's not being down. Here's a wonderful definition of the word submission. Submission is appropriate behavior under authority. It's appropriate behavior under authority. We're, the Bible says we're supposed to submit to each other anyways. All of us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you, all of you in the church... Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So we see here that the Bible is saying, listen, we need to behave appropriately when under any authority. And you say, oh, pastor, the hierarchy, the, the patriarchy, the, the structure of that, you know, that's so yesterday, you know, nowadays, just get rid of all structure, get rid of all of authority, you know, we're all, you know, on the same page together. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Hold on. Just church, hold on a second. God's very clear that there is a structure of authority in all forms and all facets of life. There's a structure of authority within our our government, and the Bible says that's a good thing. There's a structure of authority within our business work, right? Your employees and employers, and that's a good thing. There's a structure of authority in heaven, and that's God ordained, and that's a good thing. There's a structure of authority in hell. Did you know that? that there's a structure of authority even in hell with the, with the demons and, and the prince and, 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 and the devils. Sure. There's even a structure of authority in a church. Oh, pastor, no, that's so old-fashioned. Call it old-fashioned, but it's the Word of God, okay? There's a structural authority there, too, and it's okay. Within the bounds and the corral of Scripture, there is this, and it's an okay thing. Let me just say this, too. I do an awful lot of marriage counseling. I, I love doing marriage counseling. Most of the times when I do marriage counseling... Most of the time when I do marriage counseling, it's the fault of the guy. And all the church women said amen. (laughs) Because the guy doesn't do what he's assigned to do. Okay? And most of the time it's it's the men's fault. Because we've put away that idea that there's a structure, that there's an authority, that there's a hierarchy to it. And and God is Himself is the one established authority and established structure. In the Bible, we just saw it. it says to have the proper behavior when under authority to all people. To all people, okay? There's nothing wrong with having a hierarchy or having a structure of authority. Get, you know, we have like culture today that just that you know rebels against all that. It's supposed to be there, church. Listen, we have a worship choir here that sings, it does a wonderful job. My wife is the head of the choir, okay? She's in charge of the choir. I could get up there and I could sing in the choir, and I can get over there and I could stand in the choir and I could sing and I could say I'm singing whatever note I want to sing. You know, you're not going to tell me to sing. Who are you to tell me what to sing? I need some elbow room here to just let her rip, and I'm just going to sing what I want to sing, all right? I don't care what the notes say. Not only would the choir be affected and suffer from that, right? All of you would suffer from that as well. Why? <laughs> because you're not following the structure, the authority structure, even in something as simple as a choir and you say, well, yeah, well, I get that, but pastor, that doesn't apply to families. That doesn't apply to marriage. Well, submission, again, is appropriate behavior under authority. Look at that passage. Ladies, notice that it's to your husband. It's not to all men. It's to your husband. And, and, and that's not sinful. And that's not wrong. And now there is, there has been movements over the time that says the wife has to submit to the husband no matter what the husband says. Okay, if it's something wrong, no, you don't submit to that, all right? We're supposed to submit to the government, but if the government tells me to take my Bible and burn it, I'm not going to obey the government. There's a time when you ought to obey God rather than man. Okay, so that whole attitude and that whole thing that you know, well, you know, the the, the woman's a dishrag. No, she's not. Okay, that's not what it's talking about. That a lot of churches and people have ruined that, but it's not that. It's not mindlessness. It's not the picture. It has a goal. Let's look at that passage. What's the goal? Well, the goal is, look back at that passage, that they may be won. That's the goal. The goal is that, that the husband could be influenced. The husband could be won over to the right way of thinking. To influence the man is, is something better here. It's, it's a good thing. Ladies, I'll say this too. Men need this. <laughs> men need your influence. Without the woman's influence, men make a huge mess. And all the ladies of the church said, hey. <laughs> well, this is the way it is. I mean, think about this, guys. Let's, Let's go back to the first book in the Bible, Genesis. Did you ever think about that story? <clears throat> There's Adam. He's in the woods. This time of year we think about hunting, think about being in the woods. <laughs> He's in the woods all by himself. He's got all the food he wants, whenever he wants it, right? I mean, <laughs> the weather's perfect. He, he doesn't have anybody to pick up after. He, he doesn't even have to decide what clothes to wear, all right? He's just, he's just lounging around, walking through the woods, things great every day. He's hand-in-hand hand with the creator of the universe, and they're just talking, and he's looking, and he's seeing deer and, 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 you know, elephants, and he's seeing, and it's just, life is good, right? I mean, can you, man, could you imagine how nice that'd be? Hey, they'll just grab this to eat. You know, hey, I'll think I'll grab that to eat. Nothing to clean up, no house. just this is sweet, you know? But what does God say? Everything was good except for what? The fact that what? Man's alone. And God thought, you know what? This guy's going to mess it up. We, we need to get him some good influence. And God brought the woman into place to help the man. And God thought that that was what? A good thing. It's an appropriate thing. <laughs> it's not good that he's alone. And, and, and God said, this is an important thing. So, so the idea here that we see here in 1 Peter is that the, the, the idea of, of submission is always voluntary. Every time in the Bible there's, there's ever talked about submission, it's always voluntary. Men, men, you do not force your wives into submission. Get your wife to submit. That's not Bible. Okay? Submission is part of spiritual growth. As I learned to submit to you and, and us to each other and submit to God, that, that's part of spiritual growth. That's part of growing. But to have that idea that it's any other way is not correct. Okay? And so... Uh, 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 what we're speaking on again, this, this thing, I realize it's not common. I realize this is countercultural. Please do not take a snippet out of what I'm saying, but let's put the whole counsel of God together. We've got a lot more to cover here and a lot more to look at here. But, but this is an ideal thing. Uh, my submission to God is spiritual growth. So is the submission to your husband as part of a spiritual growth. And again, that's just the proper response under authority. Okay? Let's keep going on. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Is there going to be problems in my marriage that I'm going to have a hard time submitting to? Well, Genesis 3:16, unto the woman he said, "I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children." The rest of this actually reads a, a, a little more clear in the Hebrew, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. The the implication here is that there's going to be marital discord, and that there's going to be a tendency to have discord throughout all the generations, okay? And that's going to be part of life, is that there's going to be disagreements, there's going to be discord, okay? And he says says, that's just part of it. But Peter is giving us here really a strategy of influence. He's saying, listen, ladies, you have a way, there's a strategy to influence the man, okay? I'm giving you four strategies here from the word that this is a way that you can work together and win at your marriage. The second one, here's the second strategy, is by being a quiet example. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, look at this, they also may without the word be won, how? By the conversation of the wives. So in other words, he's saying don't preach at him. How do you win him over? Well, we just looked at that. You win him over by your influence. You don't win him over by cramming the Bible down his throat. Okay? You don't win him over by nagging or yelling at him. Well, he's not going to church. You know, I'm just going to ram this down his throat. You're going to turn him against you. Okay? It just this is not the way it's supposed to be done. And, and I'm convinced, I don't have a verse on it, but I'm convinced that every man... Every man, the longer he's married, develops selective hearing. And he only listens to what he wants to hear. Matter of fact, I think we could actually look at that verse and say he kind of does, and he only does what he wants to hear. Why? Because I believe that it's difficult for man not to see the goodness of his wife. He can turn off the hearing, the, the talking of his wife, but when the wife is living in good character he can't avoid seeing her goodness. I mean, that's what he's saying here. You can't avoid seeing it, but you may turn it off and not listen to it. Ladies, can I give you some practical help here? Nagging is just a put-off to all men, okay? It's just a put-off to all men. Men, do not say anything right now. You need to be very quiet. You Don't, don't move. Don't throw an elbow. Just sit still, gentlemen. Just don't move. Don't move. Nagging is a put-off to all men, but let me say this. That's about as close to the gospel as anything else I've ever preached from this pulpit. I'm just telling you, all right? I'm just telling you why, but that's what the verse says. We're just looking at Scripture. This is not the opinion of Andrew. We're just looking at Scripture. And he's saying saying your character, the way that you are, is going to influence him more than what it is that you're going to say. Nagging at him to try to force him to do something, to try to follow God's Word, is not going to work. It goes against the male psyche. It just does. It, it just, it's against that. The contentions of a woman are a continual dropping, Proverbs says. that The man tunes it out. It's kind of like a rainstorm that happens. At first you hear the rain, and then after a while, what? You don't hear the rain anymore, and what do you do? You fall asleep anyways. The rain doesn't bother you anymore. It's just kind of the same thing. And he says, listen, you're going to force him to try to respond. It's just not going to work. It's just part of the male psyche. Real men just kind of want to win. And if you get into verbal altercation with your husband, you're saying, well, I'm going to win this. You know, and, and it would just be better. I'm just going to tell you, ladies, it would just be better if you didn't get into verbal altercation with your husband trying to win it. Because you know what? You may win it, but you're not going to win it. You are going to turn him against you. It's, just, it's the male psyche. It's the way God created us. Men don't want to be spiritually intimidated. They, sh- they shy a wife shy away from their wife's preaching. But look at the story. I mean, it's not an ideal situation. It's a tough situation. The, the woman's in a very tough spot. And, and, and look what that verse says. It says that they also may. Look at the word may. I guess there's some weird ducks out there, some guys that this won't work with. But it says that basically it will. But it says, you know, this is something we have to think about, something we have to look at. Verse 4, 1 Peter 3, 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. And that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a good, I'm sorry, sight of God a great price. Meek and quiet. It doesn't mean that that the woman is a church mouse that never speaks and she doesn't say anything. It just means that she's influencing him by what? A meek and a quiet spirit. How is she influencing him? With a meek and quiet spirit. What does the word meek mean? The word meek means to work with someone without causing friction. It literally refers to to spitting. It literally, my wife hates it when I do this, but it literally, that word meekness goes to to be able to negotiate with other people without causing friction. That's a meek and quiet spirit. You want to influence your husband? Right there. Right there. A meek, a quiet spirit. You want to influence them? Look at the next one. A sterling character, number three. An innocent character. Sterling means innocent. 1 Peter 3, 2. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Your chaste, your sterling, your clean, innocent character coupled with fear. You say, oh, Pastor, no. It's the sex appeal that attracts, that attracts a man. You're, you're right. Sex appeal does attract a man, but sex appeal does not influence a man. A sterling Clean, innocent character, the Bible says, is what influences the man. These are two different issues here. Sex appeal and influence. These are two different things here. Look at the next verse, verse 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that of outward adorning, of plating the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Now, now, time out. I've had churches say this. And maybe you grew up in a church like this. See? You see this? The women aren't supposed to do their hair. And the women aren't supposed to do makeup and aren't supposed to wear jewelry. And don't raise your hand if you're in a part of a church like that. Church, that's not what it says. It doesn't say that. Does it? No. Well, women aren't supposed to do themselves up. Listen, goodness sakes, Avon has done wonderful for, for, the, for the women of the world. <laughs> if the barn needs painting, goodness sake, let's paint it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I say that to lighten the load here a little bit. It doesn't say that, church. Look what it says. Let it not be the outward adorning of plating of the hair or the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. If it's wrong to do your hair and it's wrong to put on jewelry, then it's wrong to put on clothes. Right? They never read the rest of that verse, right? They, always, they pick and choose what they want to read. No. It's, it's, it's okay. He said, this is, this is a good thing. He says, but that's not the main thing. That's what he's saying there. Nothing wrong with doing it, but your character, your, your sterling character, your, the conversation, who you are as a person, Ought to be the focus, not, not, not the makeup, not the jewelry, not the clothing that you're wearing. That's not the focus here. That's not the focus of what the, what's influencing the man. It's the character. It's who you are. The, the pure character, the innocent, the, the cleanness of it. The, 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 not, not your sexiness is what it's saying. Not to how you're adorning yourself. That's not going to influence them. Okay. It's who you are. Your character that in influences him. Number four. Verse Peter First Peter chapter three, verse two. Let's go down and look at the end of that. While they behold your chaste conversation, all right, we got that, coupled with fear. Now the word fear there is not intimidation. The word fear there means respect, honor, and admiration. Okay? It's not fear like I'm afraid of you. It's fear like I want to respect you and admire you. Ladies, you want to influence your husband? Strategy number four from the Word of God is to respect, honor, and show admiration. It's part of the male psyche. You cannot change, ladies, you cannot change your husband by humiliation. It will not work. I'm telling you right now, it is part of the male psyche. It will not work. I've been in counseling sessions with men and women, and the women has belittled the man right in front of me to make him feel like he's just a squash spider right in front of me and just ripped him apart. This conversation is going nowhere because you have just belittled this person as a human being. It's not going to work. It's against his male psyche. Humiliation is not a tool to undermine your marriage. Okay, Men, the psyche of a man is to live up to their their wife's admiration. Ladies, what you say must be sincere. So I have nothing sincere, nothing good to say about my husband. (laughs) Hold on, wait, time out. You had something good to say about him when you put a ring on his finger, right? I mean, there was one moment in your life, at one time, many years back, you had something good to say about him, okay? And maybe you have to rewind the clock, go back 10, 20, 30 years and say, well, there was one good thing I can say about him. Well, okay, then dig it back up again. That's the one good thing you say about him, you know? But that goes against the male psyche to, to just be humiliated and put down. That's not going to help your marriage. It doesn't. And it says, with respect, just t- treating someone how you want to be treated. Talking respectfully to someone how you want to be talked to. Ladies, you don't like it when people talk down to you. Do you like it when you go in for your review with your work and your boss just, just rips you apart? And, you know, you're just a bum and you just don't. Rah, 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 rah. You don't like that when your boss says it to you, do you? No, of course not. Do you like it when your girlfriends do it to you and they rip you apart on Facebook? Well, of course not. Well, why do you think your husband likes it? <laughs> you know, you think that's going to help your marriage? It's not. It's not. It's not. That's what he's saying. Go, keep going. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5. Keep moving. For after this manner in the old time, the holy woman also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husband. Verse 6. This is interesting. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. Okay, they're going all the way back to the Old Testament. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. <laughs> now, guys. <laughs> no. Don't even think of that for a moment. All right. <laughs> Pastor said. <laughs> no. Calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you dwell. Uh Uh-oh, ladies. And are not afraid with any amazement. It doesn't say call him Lord. What's saying here in this passage is, does Sarah and Abraham have disagreements? Yes, they did read the story. A lot of them. But Sarah ultimately got it. She ultimately demonstrated respect. Respect. She ultimately, they, they work together on it, and, and, and what does it say? To not be afraid, in other words, to not be intimidated by any of the strategies I just told you. Peter's saying, listen, Sarah wasn't afraid to apply these strategies to Abraham, okay 2,000 years prior, 1500 years prior. Ladies, don't be afraid to apply these biblical strategies to influence your husband even though they are countercultural to what's on the news, to what's in Hollywood, to what your sister's doing, to what your, your 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 neighbor's doing, to what your co-workers are doing. He's saying, don't be afraid to use these strategies and, and you practice these things. Why? Because this is what I told you to do. This is from the Word of God. And yes, they're counterintuitive. Yes, they're countercultural. And yes, you could be intimidated by someone else. You could be intimidated by television. You could be intimidated by Hollywood. But don't be intimidated. What's what he's saying. Don't be intimidated. Don't have fear about this advice. Why? Because it's based on the Male psyche, and I'm trying to tell you how you're going to win over how you're going to influence this guy. All right, and again, this is not an ideal situation. There's a saved woman living with an unsaved man, she wants to influence him with the gospel. He just gave us four strategies for her to influence him, and these can be applied even to, to a husband and wife where maybe the man's not committed to serving God and she is. I don't know, but these are four very good, very practical principles for a woman to influence. The knucklehead that's sitting next to you. <laughs> but is this from the Word of God, church, or is it not? Is all Scripture given for, for our reproof and correction? Yeah. And church, this subject is so not talked about nowadays because, because churches are just absolutely afraid because it's so easy to take a snippet and say, oh, you said, pastor. Take the whole story together. Take the whole passage Together, and look what he's trying to say. Ladies, I'm trying to help you influence him to do the right thing. Okay? And it's so counterintuitive. It's so countercultural. And maybe for some people here, you sit there and go, and you burl at this. That's not the point. The point of today was not to offend you. The point of today was not to, that's not at all. The point of today was for us to look at the Scripture and say all Scripture is given by God and, 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 and to use the Scripture to make us more Christ-like. To use the truth to help us all to grow. Now, this is part A. And next week is part what, church? B. Uh, ladies, listen. Next Sunday, I'm telling you right now. Ladies, listen. Listen, listen, listen ladies. Next Sunday, your husband is going to make every excuse in the world not to be here. I'm going to encourage you to influence him. You have direct permission from the pastor to nag and to control <laughs> and to use the Bible down his throat and to put a rope around him and drag his sorry body here. Men, listen, men, you need to be the man, and you need to be here next week. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> the real men will be here next Sunday. The yellow. Spined cowards will stay home. <laughs> Listen, this is gold, okay? This is huge. What we're just looking at today, this is God-given mandates. This is God-given plans. This is God-given strategies for us to have a winning marriage. And I touched on part A, but next week is what? Part B. And it's for the who? Men. Guys, you need to be here next week. And what's going to happen is you're going to see, listen, you're going to see part A. Oh, I see how part B meshes. And that women's influence combined with the men's responsibility. Oh, all the pieces of the puzzle are going to come next week, and you're going to say, I get exactly what he's saying. And it's homework. It's homework because we all, myself included, have got work to do in our marriage to be winning in our marriage and to be everything that God wants us to be in marriage. The world is doing everything they can to break apart the family unit and the marriage. Church, we ought to be different. The world ought to look at you and say, what is it about your marriage? What, 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 what? And your answer is right here. This is the difference of our marriage. There's nothing special. There's nothing magical. We just take God's word literally for what it says. And the world ought to know and ought to see that you're a Christian, okay? Your marriage ought to be the first thing that they see. There's something different about you, all right? There's something different. Church, (laughs) we got to go and tell the whole world the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Our marriages ought to be the stepping stone to present the gospel to someone. Yeah, there is something different. Let me tell you about... The God that loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Okay? That ought to be an introduction to the gospel. Right? What's the gospel? Well, the gospel is the fact that God loves us so much. He said, you can never pay the debt for your sin. I'll have to send my son, Jesus Christ. The story of Christmas, what so we're celebrating here pretty soon. So, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. That that whoever believes that, that when Jesus died, He took your sins, He paid your sin debt on the cross. Whoever believes that, not whoever changes, not whoever gets baptized, not whoever joins a church, it's whoever believes that, yes, Jesus really did pay my sin debt. I'm trusting in that. Whoever believes that, God says, You're forever part of my family. I I can't ask you to work for it because you can never do enough work. I can't ask you to give money for it because you can never give enough money. I just gotta ask you to just to believe it, to trust, depend, rely upon the fact that Jesus paid your debt for you of death, that you could never do it. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through what, church? Through faith, and it's not it's not of who, it's not of yourselves. It is a what? It's a gift of God, it's not of works. Those three words changed my life. When I finally realized it's not me being good, it's not me going to church, it's not me giving money, it's when I finally realized that, wait a second, I can't save myself. It's not a work that I do. But God, I believe that Jesus Christ paid my sin debt. Yep, I'm a sinner. I can't do it. I accept that. I believe that. Your son died for me. God, I accept that. He paid my debt. That's salvation, church. Nothing, I I can't do it. But God, I put my trust in what your Son has done on the cross of Calvary. That's the gospel of, of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer and let's be done. Father, we're thankful for our time together. Ask for a blessing on the remainder of our day today. Lord, this was some tough stuff. We, <laughs> ouch. We all got stepped on today. Yeah. But you put it in the Bible, and it's for us today. Father, I pray that we're not offended by it. We're not... We're not we don't feel whatever weird by it but we just look at these four strategies and say yep they're in the word of God I got some work to do Lord bring us back next week that we can all say yep there's some more strategies and and we got some work to do help the world to see a difference in our marriages Lord we don't need marriages falling apart we need marriages showing the love of Jesus Christ all of us have got some work to do for the sake of the cross. Thank you for all that you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.